If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about attachment styles. What are they? How can they affect your relationships? And we're also going to talk about ways to remedy possible attachment styles and how to do that within the multiple relationships in your life. So I am Emily. I'm Dedeker. And, and we're coming at you from, from Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Without Jace. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Whatever, Jace. I know. It is sad, actually. I miss Just him. Just in case you guys haven't noticed, Jace has not had a week off of this podcast since its creation. So that's 80 different podcasts. Yeah, he's yeah. been on like, every single podcast every single week since our inception. Yeah, and, and the so two of us have had a lot of weeks off. We've had many weeks the off. The two of us, yeah. yeah. So we decided to give him a little bit of a break. I mean, he's still going to put in all his work and effort that he normally does of editing it and producing yeah. it and getting it all nice and shiny for you guys. But in the meantime, you're stuck with just the two of us ladies. Yeah, it's a ladies' day. It's the ladies' day. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so how do we start talking about attachment in the first place? Well, you were the one who kind of brought it to me and were like, oh, this is an interesting thing. Have mm-hmm. you heard about attachment styles? Yeah, I mean, and I'm relatively new to this as well. Um, so attachment styles at first became a thing actually with studies that were done in the late 50s, early 60s, mm. where they studied attachment styles in children. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and it was studying like... You know, if you have a baby or a toddler and, like, mom leaves the room and then comes back, like, how does how does the child react? Yeah. You know, is the child, like, happy that mom comes back? Is, is the child upset and, like, tries to avoid mom? Or is this child freak out as soon as mom steps out of the room? Yeah. Um, that they were trying to look at, like, how is it that children attach kind of to their primary caregiver. So are they saying that attachment styles, it's not like a nurture versus nature thing? Or is a baby just like born with that and that's it? I don't know. It seems or... from what I've been reading that it is based on like how the parents do treat the child. Sure. That, like, so that's more of a nurture. Yeah. That like if if the parents are very attentive to a baby's needs and like anytime the baby has a need, the, tr- the parent is there on top of it. Sure. That the child will grow up with a more secure attachment style. Yeah. Because they know like, okay, like if I need anything like mom or dad's there and that's good or my partner or whomever in later years yeah so that's the thing is that like these are things that are developed in your early childhood um but then they tend to kind of evolve and translate also when you become an adult yeah and they didn't start studying attachment theory in adults i think until like the 80s interesting yeah it's a relatively recent thing yeah because honestly i'd never heard of it before you brought it to me but Mm -hmm. then i realized yeah this is definitely a thing and we're going to go more into it for sure. Yeah. And so the interesting thing with attachment theory is that it's not necessarily um, talking about like the way that you attach in your relationships, like just all the time. Specifically, it's looking at this particular facet of how you respond within your relationships when you're hurt, hmm. when you're separated, or when you're perceiving a threat to that relationship. So, so kind something of, like kind of has to happen in order yeah. for this attachment theory yeah, to Yeah, like come when out. things are under pressure, yeah. how do you react? Interesting. Um, 
And of course, you know, and these are looking at different relationships, not just romantic relationships, but your relationship with your dad or with your mom or with your friends um, in particular. And so why is this important to know about if you're in a poly relationship? Sure. I mean, it's good to know because when you're engaging in multiple relationships, it kind of can show you like how you handle jealousy um, or anything in a particular situation, any conflict that might arise. And also, um, you can definitely have a different attachment style with each different relationship Mm -hmm. that you're in. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're super secure in one, Mm -hmm. but then the other one, for whatever reason, you have a fear of abandonment or something within that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because of the fact that like, if you're going to be in a polyamorous or a non-monogamous relationship, that requires that you're separated from your loved one at some point. <laughs> like what you're going through currently? Yeah. Like yeah. it requires like that, you know, you're going to go out on a date with someone else. Sure. Or your partner's going to go out on a date with someone else. Yes. Or spend the night with someone else. Yeah. Or like have just a whole other separate relationship with someone else. And so it requires that kind of pressure of, hey, there's separation. On a and, consistent basis. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, well, how do you react to that separation? Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's probably a very different thing in a monogamous relationship. I mean, yeah. it can still come up, yeah, but it's sure. probably very specific to that relationship. Yeah, definitely. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. So let's see. Is there anything else here? Yeah. We mentioned the fact that it is like possible to hold different attachment styles for your mom or your dad or your friends, but also within multiple partners. Yes. You can feel particularly secure in one and more anxious in the other. Exactly. Um, so in adults, they've categorized four broad attachment styles. Yeah. Um, and essentially, basically to look at it even broader, it's kind of like one of them is secure and then the other three are like... <laughs> insecure. Like insecure, like yeah. attachment issues. Yeah, um, insecure within a kind of different facets of that yeah. insecurity. So so secure attachment is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, your securely attached adults tend to have a positive view of themselves um, and their partners and their relationships. They end up feeling comfortable with intimacy and independence and they balance the two very well and equally. Yeah, so I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to talk about the secure attachment style because it's like, well, this person is just perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I know, and it's like, I guess there definitely are people out there who are very secure within their relationship. Like, even if I think back to um, a good mother-father figure that Mm -hmm. I knew, my best friend growing up, he has a very, like, wonderful, loving mother and father. Mm, And I feel like the two of them must be very secure within their partnership just because of time and because of what they've shown each other with their emotional intimacy. I guess, I mean, yeah, when I think about that... um, Emily and I both took a quiz specifically yeah. trying to figure out what your attachment style is, yeah, which we'll, we'll talk, la- about, we'll that talk about that later. Um, but, you know, my relationship with my mom specifically is very secure attachment. Mine as well, yeah. You know, and not to say that that's like a perfect relationship, sure. but as in like there's no fears that she's not going to be there for me. There's yeah. no fears that she's not going to have emotional support. There's no fears that I can't depend on this person. There's no fears of abandonment. Like, yeah. So it's a very secure relationship. That's yeah. not how everybody feels about their mom. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I definitely know people who are like, they never go to their mother for advice. Mm, they yeah, end up like yeah, being yeah. more of the person who gives advice to their yeah, mother. Yeah. Um, and then also there are people out there like even Josh, my boyfriend like doesn't talk to his family that often. Mm, so mm-hmm. he may like definitely be very close with his family, but he only talks to them like once a month or mm, his mother once a month. So that may be still secure, but it's not like you and me who tend to like go to our moms for yeah, a lot for of more, stuff. For more than that, yeah. for sure. Um, 
So that's a secure one. And yep. and it's funny because they were talking about how like babies and toddlers will grow up more secure like if their parents are more like attentive to their needs. And sure. so I was questioning that. I was thinking like, well, what parent is like not attentive to their needs? I, I mean, provided they're not like a neglectful, like horrible parent, sure. you know? Um, but they pointed out the fact that like if the baby perceives that like I asked for something or like I cried, uh-huh. you know, like I, I demonstrated that I had a need and there was resistance to that from my parents. Like either they told me no or they ignored it. That, or, or even if they unintentionally ignored it, you know, like if the baby's just crying for like a minute too long or thirty sure. seconds too long, while mom's trying to take care of something, but the baby interprets that as like, oh, my needs aren't getting met. Yeah, that even I'm that abandoned. is enough to like not to to kind of um, limit how much the child is going to grow up with a secure attachment to wow. their parents. That's like very Freudian it's, to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it is very Freudian. It seems very fragile. Um, sure. Well, and also that's interesting because like when does conscious perception start within a child? Like when does someone say, or when does a kid like start realizing and understanding like, okay, I'm not getting my needs met right uh-huh. now. And how does that translate to later in life? Like is a kid cognitively mm-hmm. developed enough as a baby in order to like make these things well, I don't know. Last? in their life. Uh, I mean, if there's any listeners who are child psychologists, yeah, like, let um, us know. please let us know. Because sure. I know that when you're like your first born, like you're just like a little grub. Exactly. Of just like needs. Little spawn, yeah. And then, but until you're about the age of like one or two, you still think that you're like the same entity as your parents. Like you don't understand that like you have separate thoughts from your sure. parents. Um, but you can still get those impressions of like mom's meeting my needs or mom's not meeting my needs. Yeah, I guess um, you can. But then you start having like memories and thoughts like at a specific age. Yeah, but then, like, around two or three, that's when you start to realize, like, oh, I am separate from my parents. Like, that's the first time you're able to, like, lie, for sure. instance, when you realize, like, oh, what's going on in my brain is something that's separate from yeah. like, what mom and dad can and hear. And test your boundaries and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's anyway, interesting. that was a child psychology <laughs> Sorry, tangent. Sorry, yeah. Um, if anyone has more to say on that, let yeah, us know. Yeah, please educate us. Yeah, we're not... we don't know nothing about babies. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. Yeah. Um, so the next style is anxious preoccupied. And this can be summed up, somebody summed this up with a phrase, and the phrase being like, I want to be emotionally intimate with people, but they don't want to be with me. Hmm. Or I'm afraid that they don't want to be with me. Sure. Yeah. And so, like, anxious preoccupied adults will definitely, sometimes they're labeled as very needy. Mm -hmm. They will seek a lot of intimacy. They'll seek approval. They'll seek responsiveness or communication from partners. And sometimes they may even become, like, too dependent on their partners or codependent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so these are um, the people who also tend to be a little bit less trusting. Um, They have less positive views about themselves and their partners, and they may exhibit high levels of emotional expressiveness. So kind of the spewers, potentially. Um, And then worry and be impulsive in their relationships. Mm -hmm. And they also have, yeah, that fear of a partner leaving them. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing is because, like, on other episodes when we've talked about jealousy, for instance, sure. we've talked about the fact that jealousy is so frequently based in this fear, a fear of like losing somebody, a fear of losing a partner. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think I would theorize that the people who experience the highest levels of jealousy mm-hmm. are more likely to be anxious, preoccupied. Interesting. I think there's more likely to be this sense of like, my partner's going to leave me. Yeah. Um, or... Uh, you know, or just, yeah, like I'm going to lose this person that I have. And so they're kind of more, that's why it's called preoccupied is because they're preoccupied with a sense of like, maybe my partner secretly doesn't want to be with me. And like, as soon as they get an opportunity to find someone better, then they're going to 
take off. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I've definitely experienced this in a lot of times in my life. And mm-hmm. and again, it is partner to partner because yeah. I've had partners where I'm like, I'm so secure with you. Mm-hmm. I know that there's no way that we're going to you know leave each other mm-hmm. for whatever reason. So that's not a thing that I'm worried about. But then I've had partners where I'm like, fuck, like this person could definitely leave me and I'm anxious about it all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm curious to know because I do feel like just because you experience jealousy, it doesn't mean that like you are anxious, preoccupied in your attachment sure. style. I think yeah. honestly, with all of these attachment styles, it is possible to feel jealousy. Yeah, it's just kind of a matter of how you react to it, right? Sure, and if you let it run your life and in, yeah. in your relationship life, yeah, 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 or maybe how frequently it comes up, yeah, um, and maybe also how much it, um, how good or not good you are at kind of taking that and then using it to your advantage or like helping it along or being yeah. better at it. Yeah. Yeah. So I would theorize like people who have more, a more secure attachment style, like maybe you'll still experience jealousy, mm-hmm. but maybe it might be just less often that it comes up maybe. or maybe you do experience jealousy. It's just that you have a better handle of like, yeah. of letting it pass quicker. Like it sure. passes quicker for you. Cause you're able to be like, well, but it's okay. Like I feel secure. Um, yeah. And things are okay. So I don't think that like, you know, just because you have a secure attachment style means that you're going to be immune to like sure. ever feeling threatened or ever feeling jealous. No, but if yeah. you do, yeah, it's if you let it run kind of your life and not mm-hmm. think about it and not be more, I don't know, preoccupied with yourself yeah. and yeah, figuring yeah. it out. Yeah. Why I am I doing these things? I was definitely more preoccupied, like anxious, preoccupied when I was younger, I think. Sure. I guess that makes sense. I don't know. It, it's interesting because I feel like in my first relationship, I learned about jealousy and became more jealous because mm. my partner really was. Oh, he would always be like, where are you going? Mm. I saw your car here. Why was it there? Yeah. And like, okay. Yeah. That's, yes. a, that's a big thing, actually, that I was reading about the anxious, preoccupied attachment style. Sure. Like separation is a big issue. Separation. It's like physical oh, separation. Interesting. Tends to be more of an issue where it's like, if my partner's gone, like I'm very anxious about. Because I don't know where they are. I don't know where they are. Huh. I don't know if they're going to meet someone more awesome than me. Yeah. Like, sure. That's definitely a big issue. Interesting. Yeah. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy. Or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. 
That's multi, M-U-L-T-I, at adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Okay, back to it. What's the next attachment style? So dismissive avoidance um, in a way that they described this was, I'd rather not depend on others or have others depend on me. Um, And then these dismissive avoidant adults, uh, they desire a high level of independence. They often appear to avoid attachment altogether. They view themselves as highly self-sufficient or sufficient, sufficient, self-sufficient, and they're invulnerable to attachment feelings and they're not, they don't really need close relationships in their life. So this is the dismissive avoidant. I'd actually say there was a good three or four years of my life where this was totally me. Yeah. I remember you saying something yeah, about that well, for sure. It was sure. totally like I just kept everyone at arm's length. Uh-huh. Like I didn't want anyone to get close. I didn't yeah. want to get close to anybody else. Um, you know, I just like did not want anybody getting close to me. Interesting. And the funny thing is that like you know, whenever people talk about another person having a fear of intimacy, sure. it tends to be something like this of being dismissive avoidant. Yeah. Um, and some people actually look at polyamory or look at multi-partner relationships and label it as that. They huh. say like, well, you're just avoiding intimacy. Sure. Or you, know, you haven't found the one yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are important. usually people who like don't realize that this is actually like meaningful or like deep relationships. Yeah. You know, if they see someone who has multiple partners, they assume, well, they all must be like surface level relationships. Yes. This must or be like sex or something. Yeah. This must be like avoiding commitment yeah. or avoiding intimacy or avoiding love. Um, yeah. And so there's definitely have been theories that polyamorous people tend to be more avoidant. Yeah. But we'll actually address that a little bit later. Yeah, that's definitely have not the case. Have you ever been with someone like that or ever experienced that's a good this kind question. of attachment? I think it's a I So because I do appreciate and really like to be around people who are like highly emotional often, mm-hmm. um, I tend to not have people in my life who are that dismissive. I yeah, I think that I probably wouldn't deal with that very well i don't know i guess i have like had partners who ultimately are just like sorry i'm not interested in this Uh because i don't want something as deep as what you're asking me for Mm -hmm. that happened more in college i think like you know younger people in college they are sort of like i don't want a relationship yeah and they're figuring out their independence and stuff and they don't want like a deep really emotional thing but yeah. yeah and it's like I don't know, the players of, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, when yeah, you're no, that makes in your sense. young 20s. or That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been with people who are like this? I'm trying to think. I mean, because usually, like, if, I, if I'm ever in a relationship where this has come up, like, I've been the one who's, who's brought up, like, the avoidant, yeah. like, aspect to it. Um, did, and did, what do you think the reasoning behind that was? Was it because you were trying to, like save yourself from that emotional attachment I or don't know honestly your independence this is kind of a good lead into the next one sure because where i think that i've tended to live most of my life is the next attachment style which is fearful avoidant yeah and the fearful avoidant the phrase for them is i want to be close but what if i get hurt hmm. um and so i feel like for most of my adult relationships it's been a mix of like either fearful avoidant or dismissive avoidant. Interesting. Um, so like the fearful avoidant person, they have mixed feelings about okay. close relationships because they both like really want to be emotionally close, but they also feel uncomfortable with that closeness. Interesting. Um, they have a tendency to mistrust their partners and also to view themselves as unworthy. Huh. And now when I read that, that totally resonated. Really? With me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, cause I feel like 
in my past in relationships where I've been not as like attracted or not as drawn to the other person. It's been more dismissive avoidant. Okay. But in relationships where I've been very drawn to that person or very attracted to them, it's been more fearful avoidant in, in the sense of feeling like, unworthy. Am I not worthy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so a feeling like, like I really like this person, but I feel like I'm not worthy of them. And so I'm going to kind of pull back a little bit wow. because I don't want to get hurt. Yeah. That's yeah. very interesting. It's, I mean, it's real messed up, but well, I mean, it's understandable. Yeah. I, it's just a different way of doing something like different than how I go. I'd usually yeah. like jump in uh-huh. all the way and then do get hurt or <laughs> have gotten hurt. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's understandable that you would want to not, not be hurt by someone. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like that's been, more where I've where I've kind of lived. Where and do you think the turning point happened? Because I, I wouldn't very, characterize that as there was you a very now. specific turning point oh, okay. that happened like three ish years ago. Yeah, um, and it was a combination of factors. Um, one of those factors was actually watching Brene Brown's TED Talk on. Huh. Um, on vulnerability. Oh, that's cool. Uh, have you watched it? No. It was freaking amazing. Like, wow. That helped turn me around. And then, I don't know, like, I just came to this realization um, that, like, the only, like, because I realized, like, that I do want to be close. Yeah, Like, that was the course. big thing. It was like, oh, I actually do seek, like, emotional relationships. I do yeah. seek emotional fulfillment. Like, I do want this. But I had to realize that, like, I'm not going to get that if I'm constantly pulling back. I'm not going to get that if I'm constantly trying to close myself. Like, I have to open myself up. Yeah, and be vulnerable to that. Exactly, if I'm going to get what I want. Yeah. Um, Like, that was a major turning point. And it's not that everything became perfect after that point. Sure. But that definitely was, I think, the beginning of me being able to actually get close to, like, secure attachment in relationships. Okay. Of being able to open myself up and, like, actually give of myself. That's really cool. express my feelings and yeah. be affectionate to people around that same time. Like my entire life, I wasn't a very cuddly or like touch based yeah, person. Yes. And like at that same time, suddenly I was like, Oh, it is okay to like touch people. Yeah. It is okay to like outwardly express my affection or my feelings for someone. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was definitely, I mean, thank God there was that turning point for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that that's been like necessary for me to have success, particularly in polyamorous relationships. Of course. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Cause you have to be vulnerable to yeah. want to put yourself out there enough to be with multiple people. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a very yeah. vulnerable situation in which sure. to put oneself. Yeah. For sure. So I want to go back. We mentioned the fact that like a lot of people kind of accuse polyamorists um, of just being avoidant. Yes. You know, like you have multiple partners because you're too afraid of like getting close to one partner. Yeah. And so you're just avoidant attached. Um, and I was really surprised that in 2014, there actually was a study done on this. I know. That's super cool. Like there are so few studies and done on like non-monogamy. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of participants. Yeah. So there Thousands were two studies. Of, yes. Yeah. In fact, that's lovely. Yeah. And so in the first study, it was done via a survey, I think, um, about attachment styles and things like that. And so in the first study, the results showed that that people who approved of polyamory, and this was of, um, in the first study, it was all people who were monogamous, like heterosexual monogamous. Um, But they found that the people who did approve of polyamory, they were were more likely to have the avoidant attachment style that we talked about. Okay. And they were less likely to be anxious attached. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Which makes sense. However, in the second study, 
And these were all heterosexual monogamous people who did this study. Well, well, the majority of the second study were monogamous, but then a small percentage, or like no, the, the minority, uh, were okay. in a non-monogamous relationship. I see. Yeah, but the first study was all heterosexual monogamous yeah. people. But so the second study found that the people who were in the non-monogamous relationship, they had actually lower levels of avoidance. Okay. They had higher levels of trust, and they yes. had lower levels of jealousy. Um, That's cool. And so it's actually it's kind of cool um there's a specific quote in the results of the study that they concluded that the findings of the study provide important new evidence that people can exhibit aspects of security yes. without sexual exclusivity interesting um, and yeah, that's, that's something cool. that i come back to all the time of like asking people well what are the things that you do to create safety and create commitment and create dedication in your relationships outside of just sexual exclusivity sure because it's so much bigger than just that absolutely you know it as anyone in a monogamous relationship can tell you you know just because you're the only person that they're fucking doesn't mean that like you yeah. feel great all the time or no secure all absolutely the time. yeah and that's the question is like do, what exactly makes a person secure in a relationship mm. is it communication is yeah. it going to be like I know that this person is always there for me emotionally, and I know that if I need something from them, they'll be there for mm, me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there are people out there who are a bit flippant and mm -hmm. who maybe don't want to be there for you, and I guess that can kind of breed more anxious attachment, potentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I will say, like, I do think that if you are interested in being polyamorous or if you are interested in being non-monogamous, it's probably going to go better for you. Well, obviously it's going to go better for you if you're secure. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. That's like for any relationship. Of course. But it's probably going to be easier for someone who is more on the avoidant side mm -hmm. rather than on the anxious side. Sure. Yeah. Um, as in like someone who tends to err more on the side of being too independent rather than someone who tends to err on the side of being too dependent. Sure. I think, I don't know. What do you think? About no, that? I get that. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, it's always good in my opinion to try to not have co uh, codependency yeah. in your relationships. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, I think something that everyone has to work on at one time yeah. or another. Yeah. Cause yeah, the nature of relationships sometimes is like, well, you're fulfilling my needs. Mm -hmm. And so that's a codependent like mm. idea in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you can be independent of that and just allow like yourself and your partner, their autonomy, mm -hmm. then you're able to not have to have that codependency in your life. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we, we took did this, this uncomfortable quiz yeah. about attachment styles. Yeah. Um, what were yours? Um, that's a good question. Why don't you go over yours yeah, first? Yeah, let me see. So my results... So yeah, as I kind of predicted, um, my general attachment style tends to be the fearful avoidant. Um, yeah. With my mom, tends to be secure. Yes. With my father, fearful avoidant, although that was a hard one because, like, I've had multiple father figures in my life. And sure. so it was hard to, like, answer the questions appropriately. Exactly. Um, and it said, with romantic, preoccupied. And it's interesting because this quiz in particular, obviously, it's built around you having one partner. Yeah. Because something that I think we've both experienced is that you can have different attachment styles in different romantic relationships. Yeah. You know, and also at different times in different romantic relationships. Yeah, you know? exactly. You could be feeling totally secure and then suddenly feel avoidant or very anxious and then go back to feeling secure. Um, yeah. Or you could be feeling secure in one relationships and then totally anxious and preoccupied in another, in another one. one. Of yeah. course. Yeah. 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 In mine, so my general 
avoid or attachment style is preoccupied, which I found really interesting. Yes, anxious, preoccupied. Um, And then again, yes, with my mother, very secure. With my father, who has been not really a figure at all in my Mm -hmm. life, it's been fearful, avoidant. Um, And then romantic was preoccupied, which is interesting. And again, like... This is with my my main, I guess I would say, mm-hmm. primary partner. Yeah. Um, and I was surprised by that because I thought that it would be anxious mm. attachment or anxious preoccupied, but it mm-hmm. was just more preoccupied yeah, is yeah. what they said. So, and then in my friendships, depending on who it is, I think I have some very secure friendships mm-hmm. and then others I have more preoccupied friendships yeah. depending on that one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think... And like I said, we'll include a link to this quiz. Again, the quiz yeah, isn't perfect, a, but it can still be sure. very illuminating to kind of figure out what space you live in. Yeah, um, it's a long quiz, which I think is cool. It, it definitely yeah, goes into quite a few different yeah, aspects yeah. of your life. And I think, I guess the ultimate takeaway I would want our listeners to have from this is something that I've been saying, like, ad nauseum, is just that, like, self-awareness is like the most powerful tool you have in the box Absolutely. when it comes to relationships. Yes. Like, if you know yourself, like if you're aware of the fact, like, like, Oh, you know, I re- was raised in a situation where I had this very anxious attachment, like to my father, for instance. Yeah. And then I've brought that to my relationships as well. That if you're aware of that, that's the first step for being able to get in front of it mm-hmm. rather than letting that just run the show. Yes. Um, yeah. And I mean, this is something like like the fearful avoidant thing. I mean, I only like learned about this just a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, oh my god, that <laughs> you're so like that. So what I've done for so many things. Like, I yeah. so wish I'd known that earlier, so that I can know, like, oh, this is why I do this. Yes, and so then I can actively make the choice to yeah. not do it. Yeah, again, it's a lot of you know going back and looking at yourself and trying to figure out like what are the reasons behind this? How can mm-hmm. I change those? Um, yeah, just trying to get behind it and, mm-hmm. and figure out what you can do to prevent it or to just make, make everything better. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, with self-awareness, because, um, like, polyamory, I think when it's going well, um, it's actually quite easy. I, yeah, I, I find, it can be. Yeah. I find, like, when everyone's on board and everyone's communicating, then it's quite easy. Sure. It's more about, like, how do you react when the pressure is on? Like, yeah. how do you react when something goes wrong? How exactly. do you react when something that you didn't expect crops up um, because that's when the wild card gets into the mix. I know, yeah, the change or... Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so knowing just kind of where you operate can really help you to not be as thrown off by Mm -hmm. unexpected things or by uncomfortable things. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, is that it? <laughs> I we, think so. We made I hope it through you an episode something. without Jace. I oh know. My well, I mean, again, sorry, Jace, you're going to have to edit this. And... Oh, God, is it time for a spinoff show? Now oh, God. Now we've proven our independence. There you go. Are exactly. Are we going to be avoidant, avoidant attached to Jace? Yeah, we're the, the feminist <laughs> polyamory <laughs> show or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope that this was helpful for you. Um, again, if there's a child psychologist out there who wants to educate us on, yes, on, the on child development and attachments, yeah, please reach out to us. If you have any questions, any comments, any feedback for us, you can find us. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. You can tweet at us on Twitter at multiamory. You can find us at Facebook slash multiamory. And also, last but not least, patreon.com slash multiamory. Thank you so much, you guys. Goodbye from Bulgaria. Goodbye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.